1: just ask what you want, then no one is going to know. It's really that simple.
0: My name is Espri Devorah, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Cindy Niemcy and I'm the founder of Magic Quarters. Despite being a recent adherent of the Women in Tech Group and its podcast, it's been so pleasurable to be a part of a community of such amazing, intelligent, and ambitious women who have really inspired me to aim higher. Listening to the podcast and hearing all these stunning, driven women share their stories and experiences on how they were able to succeed in their careers and become leaders has really been a source of inspiration for me and pushed me to strive for things I never thought could be within my reach. I look forward to more amazing things from Women in Tech. You can connect with me at cindy.numc on Instagram. Bye. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. The show, Silicon Valley, is on HBO right now, and I actually never saw it because it reminds me of my own story, and it was kind of triggering, to be honest. But I, I, she's at HBO. It's on Hulu. And I've been watching Hulu. And so I started watching it. And it's kind of, it's interesting re-embracing your past when you're ready to kind of let it unfold the way it's supposed to unfold rather than holding on to the narrative like for me the narrative is like why did things go that way or what did I do wrong or just like a negative narrative and being able to kind of like take a step back say it happened and then truly learn from the experience I don't know it sounds quirky but this show Silicon Valley for me is kind of like taking me back down memory lane and having me like re-explore everything that I went through in my journey and then how I want it to apply to me in a positive way today Anyway, hope that touched some like helpful note for you. Enjoy the next episode. To the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, empowering people to explore the future of their careers through internships and other opportunities. We have Sarah, who is based in Austin, Texas. So excited to talk about what she's up to, what she's doing, and how she inspires. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hello, it's so good to be on here today talking to you.
0: Oh, I love it. Sarah, first of all, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure.
1: Uh, So my name is Sarah. I studied at the University of Texas at Austin. I did petroleum engineering, which a lot of people are very unclear of what that is. So I'll give you a little bit of a background Petroleum engineering is the study of getting hydrocarbons out of the ground so that all of us can live as comfortably as we do today. So these petroleum engineers try to do it as safely and efficiently as possible. After I graduated from the University of Texas, I decided that that's not exactly what I wanted to do. And now I work at a media production powerhouse called The Hollis Company, led by New York Times bestseller and podcaster named Rachel Hollis. I manage her social media um, for the Start Today brand. It's a lifestyle brand that sells journals and lifestyle products and gives people inspiration to want more for themselves and, and live better.
0: Before we dive into The Hollis Company and where you are in your journey now, I'd love to start actually talking about, because it's something I don't think in the hundreds of episodes we've done, we haven't talked about this a lot, which is you said, I discovered it wasn't for me. Can we dive into that a little bit? because? You invested a lot of time in school, a lot of time spiritually, a lot of time even in the belief of the dream, and then you made a change. So how did you discover it? How did you go through that thought process? Can you share more about that part of your journey?
1: Sure. It was very scary to leave. I don't think people talk about that too openly when they're in school, but it was especially scary for myself because when I was even in middle school, I had known that I'd wanted to be an engineer, middle school. Um, So much so that I was put in programs all throughout grade school, from middle school to high school, doing engineering programs. So I was part of an engineering club. I did extracurriculars outside of school so that I could work towards this path of being a female engineer. And I had known even through high school that I would be a petroleum engineer specifically. I grew up in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas is known to have all the oil and gas companies. And they were the ones sponsoring the high school that I went to. And the high school that I went to was sponsored by oil and gas companies, at least the program that I was in. And so all the field trips that we went on, all the extra stuff that we did in the classes, all the programs, they were all for future engineers. So from freshman year of High school, All the way till senior year of high school, I was so sure that I wanted to do petroleum engineering. And then when I got to school, I just realized that it wasn't for me. I, I had a year doing the classes. I f- did horribly my first semester, not because I wasn't um, excited about the subject or the topic, but there were other things that were catching my eye. And I think when we're in college, it's all about that time of discovery. So there are just so many more things that your eyes are open to and that you you want to pursue. So and I think another thing that was kind of fortunate for me, but also unfortunate for what I was planning to do was the oil and gas market in 2014 was really at a downturn at that point. So after my first year of college, I was planning to intern. There weren't really internships available that I was interested in. So I had to spend a little bit before that summer thinking about what I wanted to do. And I told myself, well, I love to write. I love taking photos. I'd been blogging since high school. So maybe I should find something that is kind of in the content or even design space because I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe I'll just try something different. Uh, maybe I'll just gain experience somewhere else and see where that takes me. So my first internship was with a textiles designer. She designed loungewear, tableware, flatware, all these things that I had no idea about, but I spent that summer
0: learning. And so if I'm understanding correctly, you were already questioning your original dream and You found this internship opportunity in textile, a space that you really didn't know anything about. And then at that point, were you already thinking, I'm living a life that is in alignment with what I thought I wanted? Or were you still, what was your state of mind at that point when you were still in school studying petroleum? You said you called it petroleum engineering? And then you started an internship in textile, all these really intense, by the way, like industries. Were you already thinking, I don't belong in petroleum? Were you there yet mentally?
1: No, I wasn't there yet mentally. So let me let me rewind back a little bit. Starting from high school, I knew that I was interested in a lot of things. I had a lot of hobbies. Growing up, I did gymnastics. My mom put me in art camp. I was very fortunate to be able to experience a lot of things. So in high school, I had interest to do this, to do that, Um, mostly stuff in science and math. And I also really loved art class. I loved singing. There were so many things that I enjoyed doing. And I think that's really important for young women. It's okay to like a lot of things. It's okay to, to experience uh, things outside of what your parents might think you might be doing or what you might even think you might be doing. But Yeah, for me, I just I had a lot of interests. And once I got to college, I started to see where those interests were going to start forming. Were they going to be a career? Maybe not. Were they going to just be a hobby? Maybe I, I didn't know yet. It was really a period of discovery and of exploration for myself. Really, in college was when I discovered maybe engineering as a career might not be for me. It's not as interesting as I thought it might be the reason being is it's not as creative as people make it out to be. There are a lot of guidelines when it comes to doing things safely. It's not, it's not building Legos where you have the option to do whatever you want. There are, there's a manual, there is a prescribed way to do things. And I unfortunately didn't see it as creative as I, as I wanted it to be. But that's not to say that's for every industry, just for where I was at and the career that I was heading towards in petroleum and oil and gas, which is everyone knows it's a, it's an industry that's not going to last forever. There is a there's a cap to how long it's going to, to be.
0: OK, so maybe I'm completely ignorant, but why is that?
1: Uh, because hydrocarbons, there are only so many in the ground and we're going to deplete them if we continue to use them um, the way that we are to sustain the kind of lifestyle that we have. Hydrocarbons are everywhere. Plastics, you know, our toothpaste tubes, our clothing, if you wear polyester, that is made out of hydrocarbons. There are just so many ways that we're using it. And because our population is continuing to increase and we're having the lifestyle that we have of, at least in first world countries, the level of comfort that we have They're going to go away pretty fast,
0: which is like a huge other conversation. But this is why that other conversation is so important for us to have. I I think the everyday person not working in the space, feeling like that happens to the other guy or the other area as a global community, don't understand how our usage is actually impacting our future. Um, Yes. And I think it's
1: very easy to demonize. This industry too, because we all are wanting renewables. We all want more wind, more solar, more of those kind of energy sources. But I don't think a lot of people realize too that there are people that are working really hard and laboring really hard to provide the lifestyle that we we enjoy. You know, if you go to a fancy hotel and there are amenities for us to use, there's AC which is powered by oil and gas. So I think we have to show some some grace for that industry, too, which is really which is really difficult when I think a lot of us are hoping to go towards more renewables.
0: It sounds like you should start a podcast on this. Is it I wanted to ask, is there for for people that aren't as um experienced and seasoned as you are in the petroleum space? Like, is there a place that they can go explore that's not very technical just to have a better understanding of what's going on? What would you recommend as a resource to kind of just get a a sampling, like an appetizer of just more awareness?
1: Sure. There is a website called rigzone.com that I think does a really good job explaining oil and gas terms in more layman's phrases. Can you spell it out for us? Uh, rig Zone, so r i g z o n e dot com.
0: I just think that's so cool. Sometimes, like, we want to know more about. I know somebody. This has nothing to do with our interview, but I was doing another interview with someone, and they brought up this culture called Fire. And I was, I was like, they said they're part of the Fire Group. I'm like, you don't mean like Fire Fest, the Fire Festival, fest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's, and he said, no, it's um, what did it stand for? F- freedom and in- uh, OK, this is me making it up. I literally don't know what it stands for. But conceptually, it stands for something like freedom, investment, um, retirement, something, something. I don't know. Something like that. Sure. Right? And But the, the the point of this FIRE group is that they have a very uh, normal life, typically a salaried life, and they are able to live their life in a way where everybody part of the FIRE group becomes millionaires by a certain predictable time. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of this group before?
1: No, I haven't. But it oh. sounds like something that would happen in the oil and gas industry.
0: <laughs> and so so I uh, I wish I had it up. I don't have any other screens open right now. But um, it's just interesting. These other worlds that exist that um, are so attainable where we can actually make a difference for the greater community or our own personal lives. But sure. unless we know about these dynamics and principles then we're just kind of like living with no state of awareness. It's, sure. it's it's just like the information is right there, but no one's connected us to it. Hence the Women sure. in Tech podcast.
1: <laughs> I guess to summarize why I was thinking by the end of my first year that I would do something else is first, right. the industry was at a downturn. So I kind of had to figure out, well, there are probably going to be more downturns in the future. I need to figure out a space that I can be in where I'm going to have a sustainable job. Second, I wasn't as interested in it as I thought I would be. Right. I had other interests that were starting to peak at the time. So I wanted to see how I could pursue those things. And then, third, it was just at a place where I knew that oil and gas as an industry was going to continue to be at a downfall. Right. And that the cycle would continue and continue. And I just don't know how I would be able to continue having a job right. that I loved and have, yeah, sustainable, a sustainable totally. um, living.
0: Like a journalist in print media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on to to talking about where you are today and how much you empower others, one thing is when you were making that transition, did you have the support from your peers and your family, the people surrounding you, or was that a difficult transition to make in regards to your surroundings?
1: I think the most difficult transition was my personal transition because my friends at the time were very supportive. My family was very supportive. I think coming from an Asian family, they're never going to be as as verbally supportive as you want them to be because that's not their culture. But I knew that they would love me no matter what I did. So I was very glad that I had that support. My friends also, um, I I ended up graduating with the petroleum degree with the petroleum engineering degree and they all knew that I had this going on in the side. They thought it was just, you know, just something I was doing the for textile fun. Textile thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I
1: started out in textiles and ended up doing other lifestyle brands that I can go into later. But yes, they knew that I was doing other stuff on the side and they were supportive about that. And I think the hardest part was me overcoming This idea that I was going to be doing this my whole life, or at least I was preparing myself to have a career in oil and gas, or at least in some kind of energy technology. And then deciding for myself that that's not really where I want to go. So, where I am now, I really want to empower women to say that you can still be a woman in tech, but it doesn't have to look the way that maybe you grew up thinking it was going to be. Now I, I'm i still trying to overcome, I feel, imposter syndrome because I work in social media professionally. I work as a coordinator and an analyst, and it's hard to consider myself a woman in tech, but I know the things that I'm still doing are technical. So I myself am still overcoming this feeling of imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I thank you for being so open and vulnerable. Um, one last question about that is, I was surprised to hear that you did follow through with the four years and get a degree. Why Mm -hmm. did you make that choice? I think
1: my choice was that I knew that I could make it all the way through school and still have that education and know that it's just school. I just need a degree. And I wasn't going to spend any longer spending more money and more time when Mm -hmm. I know that Like starting over. I didn't want to start over because I knew that companies valued experience. I had a lot of other mentors that knew me and kept telling me that all you need is the experience. You don't need the degree. So just, you know, whatever you do, just get the degree, get a degree, not the degree, get a degree, no matter what it's in. Just get through school. You'll be fine. And continue doing what you're passionate about outside of school so that you can collect that experience on your resume. and tell your future employers, well, this is what I studied, but this is what I was interested in. So that's okay. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Totally. I hope that's okay. Yeah. That's a perfect transition to dive into that. Let's talk about gaining experience and how you empower others to gain experience. Before we started recording, I was sharing with you how much I appreciated a recent blog that you wrote. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there and how you empower others to get that internship experience? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there and how you empower others to get that internship experience? Sure. I get a lot
1: of questions now from people in college and college students and people who are looking for more experience or even just people looking to leave their industry because that's what I ended up doing for myself very early in my career, actually at the very beginning of my career. And the one piece of advice I would say is, to reach out, just be courageous and do whatever you can to ask. Just don't be afraid to ask because if you don't ask, no one can ever help you. If you don't have the courage to just ask what you want, then no one is going to know. It's really that simple. So for myself, I looked everywhere. I didn't have a very specific way of asking for an internship. There were very much recommended ways that people... Recommended to me, they said, go to the career fairs, go to this talk where this person might be able to give you their card and you can ask them for coffee later. But I tried those things and they really weren't that successful because I feel like I had to treat those recruiters as people, too. They were there because of their jobs. They were there because maybe it was their alma mater that uh, they if it was hosted by the school, it's because they went to that school and they wanted to give back to the school. But they're also tired. They're already talking to many students. They're already talking to a lot of other people who are also interested in work and they might not have the energy to talk to me for longer than I than I want to. So um, I looked at a lot of other ways to network when I was a student. Um, and it was a lot more successful.
0: And what were the ways that were most successful for you?
1: Well, when I wasn't studying, I was scrolling on Instagram, and oh, on Instagram, so su-
0: scrolling on Instagram is successful. Yes, and <laughs> it
1: actually was. Uh, when I wasn't studying, I was scrolling on Instagram, and a lot of businesses are on Instagram. And I reached out. I just DM'd them. I slid into their DMs, or I commented a, a very genuine comment asking them wow, I, I love your i love your small business or I love your company. Are you taking interns? And that was really that simple. They, they would sometimes tell me no, but a lot of the times they would say, actually, we're looking or we're looking to hire or we might have positions available in a few months, follow up with us then. And after a little bit of time, if they didn't get back to me, I would follow up and say, hey, I remember you saying that you might have internship spots available. I just wanted to follow up and see if you still might be interested in having some extra help in the office. I have done XYZ in the past, and I think I'd be able to offer XYZ as value to your company in the future. Are you taking any people? It's really that simple. And sometimes it would just be as simple as going to a coffee shop and talking to the person in line in front of you and just saying, just asking how their day is and I'm more extroverted than a lot of people around me, especially for the women in tech. I think a lot of people who are more studious and that is the stereotype that women in tech are, you know, more studious and a little bit more quiet and like to focus. But for me, I love hearing other people here. I love hearing their stories. I love hearing them talk about what they do. So even just standing in line at a coffee shop and introducing yourself, saying what you do, what you're studying. Hey, what do you do? And hearing more about their company, like, hey, are you taking interns? Like, honestly, if you want something bad enough, you'll ask for it. And I wanted and I wanted experience other than where I was studying. So that's what I ended up doing.
0: I think the thing that comes up is feeling as a culture, just feeling I'm not good enough. I can't ask for this because I'm not good enough. And I think we need to put that aside as a culture. Like we all, as you were sharing, Sarah, like you have imposter syndrome too. And you've had a lot of experience at this point. And so, I mean, even in you shared, here's the value that I could bring to you, potential future employer. But, you know, being uh, an employer myself and, you know, with our company and the Women in Tech podcast, we have an internship program. And the one thing I actually look for is what are you most excited to learn about? Like, what are you most excited to like dive into? What are you genuinely and organically most connected to? Where Where do you feel your superpower is? And you may not know how to execute on that thing or what that world looks like, even if it may be like petroleum. <laughs> but you know that at least in that moment, that's authentic to you, that excitement. And for me, I just think that Having that genuine interest in something um, relays a message to your team, to the people you're corresponding with, to the community. And it all starts with that organic sincerity. And so even if you don't have any experience at all and feel like you don't have any valuable skill set yet Really, if you have that core interest in learning something, that is valuable. It, I mean, at least it's been been valuable to me as an employer. So I imagine there's other employers out there like me that feel the same way.
1: Absolutely. I think that wherever you end up or wherever anyone ends up where they feel successful, they have to have a little passion about it. So while I was in school, I tried to pursue internships where I had a real genuine interest in learning about their line of business. So I started in textiles, tried floral design. I also wanted to offer my help at bakeries because I thought maybe I'll be a baker. They're very romantic ideas, you know, and I ended up interning at other lifestyle brands. One lifestyle brand in particular that puts patterns on products. So they're a lifestyle brand that makes lifestyle products like notebooks and dresses and skirts and all these other things. And somehow, all that experience led to where I am today, which is very, very I feel very grateful for it. but I think you're so you're so right about that. it really has to start with genuine interest and passion in something, and that will follow
0: and if you are looking to intern. It's funny because I've never once talked about it on the podcast. People have just reached out. And then we ended up creating this awesome internship program thanks to my teammate, Celeste. Reach out to us at Women in Tech Show on all social. Email me, Esprit, at EspritDevorah.com uh, via email. Like you could even um, add on social media at Esprit Devora. However you want to reach out, reach out, say hello. And just as Sarah said, just say, hey, do you have any internship opportunities available right now? And we could see where it goes from there. What's one thing about the culture at Hollis Co that really sets the company apart? Um, like how big is Hollis Co? It's about 60 employees. And what's one thing about the culture that really sets that culture apart that makes it a culture you love and you feel acknowledged in more than than other companies that you notice is a really big difference?
1: There is honestly no other company culture that has been so intentional about learning my love languages. That is one of the first things that they asked when I went on to the job and joined the company. What's your love language? It's honestly such a part of their culture because that is something that we want to be really intentional about, about making sure other people feel seen and everyone is seen.
0: And to break down, just in case you don't know love languages, and it's actually... Love languages is something that I hold really dear to my heart. When I discovered it a few years ago, it changed everything for me. I think usually the word love is associated in a romantic way, but as I've learned love languages, it's helped me in the relationship with my mom. It's helped me in professional relationships. So what love languages are is it's physical touch, quality time, affirmations, acts of service and gift giving. And I remember as a uh, teenager, I would get so mad at my mom for giving me a gift and not expressing something another way. And I really held that against her for a long time. And then when I got like older, I started to realize that if I I take time to give my mom a gift and wrap it in everything. It's what really makes her feel loved. But I only totally understood this after I learned the love languages. And I understood that my love languages are acts of service and affirmations. So that's why if someone is saying great job or like acknowledgement on a project I worked on, I feel like the full, the way I'd like to feel. But if someone you know, gives me a gift. It's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just it's different than an affirmation or an act of service. Sarah, get into a little bit more. How do how do we implement love languages into a work culture?
1: I think for where I'm at, at the Hollisco company culture is so important to them. So one of the things that we are very clear about and one of the pillars of the company culture is you can sit with us. And I think you can sit with us can go a lot of different ways. But one of those ways is making sure to acknowledge everyone at the company, no matter what you look like, no matter what gender you are, anything. And one of the ways they do that is by acknowledging their love languages. So I don't think it has to be anything crazy like, dude, what's your love language? Or it can be very (laughs) casual. You know, if you're eating lunch with someone, hey, like I found something really interesting. And I really wanted to learn, like, this was my love language. Like, what's yours? Have you taken the test before? I think it can be something really casual. If it's something that's exciting and authentic to you, I think bringing it up in conversation casually at lunch or whenever you're on a break with someone is a great way to talk about those things. So you as don't well. have it
0: in like your onboarding process.
1: It's not in our onboarding <laughs> process. No. No. But you know, we have dance parties during the day. Like we,
0: what? this is like the we, best company ever.
1: Yeah, like you can look. We have a lot of articles on LinkedIn right now about our company culture and how to have a really strong company culture. As we're all working remotely, we have dance parties through Zoom. We have work breaks where we're at lunch and not talking about work, and we're just talking about life that are scheduled into our calendar. There are a lot of ways to keep company culture alive. That's really important to us.
0: We'll link to all your articles in the show notes as well. So if people want to get more into work culture and how to be innovative during this time, like it will be a great resource.
1: But I just, it doesn't have to be included in onboarding if that's not a company's thing. But I think for any company, it's, it's important that employees are able to talk about things that they're they're passionate about in a way that is still responsible, though. So, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what, are, what, so are, what are your love languages?
1: My love languages are definitely physical touch and words of affirmation. But honestly, when I took the test, all of them were at the top besides gift giving. Gift giving was at zero and all of the other four were pretty equal numbers. But I'd say right now, physical touch and words of affirmation.
0: And at the top of your mind, do you remember where you took the test? Where can we find that to take the test as well?
1: I know it's a test by Gary Chapman because he was the one that wrote the book. It should be fivelovelanguages.com.
0: We'll, we'll Google it. We'll include that in the show notes as well if you want to apply that. I almost wish it wasn't called love languages because it makes it feel like, it makes you associate like the word love in a romantic way, at least it did for me. And when I learned how to apply it to a professional setting or a family setting, just it was such a game changer. Such a, It helped me yeah. be a better friend and helped me understand myself better. Yeah,
1: for oh, sure. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Have you heard of the Enneagram?
0: Yes. Okay. So I do the Enneagram in my pod. So I sometimes teach these um, semi-private podcast immersives. They're these month-long programs. I do honestly because I just really enjoy teaching people how to create a podcast that has social impact. And in the in the program, one of the very first things is I have everybody do the Enneagram test, so I could understand and they can understand the kind of content that they would be best at creating that would have the most meaningful impact for their listeners. Yeah, that is
1: so interesting. That is so, so interesting. Share is, with I it. don't want yeah, oh, go, go, go. to. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy to share my you Enneagram. Ask,
0: you ask first, but go ahead and tell everybody what an Enneagram is just in case they don't know.
1: OK, the Enneagram is a typing test to show your motivations. It's not a personality test. It shows your motivations and just, yeah, why you do things, why you do things the way you do, why you think things the way you think or feel the things the way you feel.
0: 100%. And as you guys all probably can suspect, I'm the helper. By like far, I'm the helper. <laughs> and so it makes sense that I create ecosystems and content to serve others because that is my core MO. But then there's also there's who you are and then there's there's um how you need to show up as well, which is this interesting dichotomy meaning sometimes I help too much where I sacrifice myself because I have a need to like, I didn't know this. I wasn't aware of this, but I have a need subconsciously to show up as the helper as well, even when it's not authentic to me. And so it's important for me to have a level of self-awareness. Do I have the energy and space right now? And is it an alignment authentic to me to be helping in this moment in this way? And if not, then it's inauthentic helping, but I wasn't, Aware of that before I studied this, so now I'm I'm hyper attentive to it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And then how about yours? What's yours? I'm a seven, which
1: makes a lot of sense, which is why I felt like was I seven again. Seven is the enthusiast.
0: Ah, uh,
1: yeah. So a seven has a lot of hobbies. A seven just has a lot of ideas and wants to do a bunch of things, which it makes a lot of sense why I ended up doing the thing that I'm doing. I started in engineering. I had a lot of hobbies. I just I couldn't figure out which one I wanted. And I'm doing one thing now, but I'll probably be doing another thing later. And that's probably why I had the courage to leave my industry, because there are just so many things that I want to do as a person. So not just in my career, but in my personal life, there are just so many things. So um, I understand that if other people don't feel like they have that courage to just just Leave their job or leave whatever they're doing. I totally understand that's probably because we're not the same Enneagram type. But cool. yeah, yeah, I'm a
0: seven. Ah, uh, so cool. So, and you guys, you could find. I'll include it in the show notes as well. The test for the enneagram. Um, I think there might be a small fee. I don't think it's. I think it's twelve dollars. Like, yeah, it's it's just twelve bucks. But it's so worth it to really have a better understanding of yourself. And and I don't know, such, such a cliche saying, but to live your best life, you know. <laughs> like, I'd love for you, Sarah, to share about more what you do at Hollis about this blog post that you wrote and um and why you're really like spearheading I don't know if that's the right word, but gung ho. You're gung-ho on small businesses over big corporations. I should say interning with small yeah. businesses over big. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I heard three questions there. So I guess I'll start off <laughs> sorry. with sorry. Nope, no, that's I'll okay. I'll start off it on you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start off with the first question, which is what I do at the Hollis Co. The Hollis Co. is a company that helps people build better lives for themselves through tools and experiences that will will change their lives. Um, There are a few brands that live under the Hollis Co. One is the Start Today brand, which is the one that I help manage for social. Their Instagram handle is at the Start Today brand, and they create lifestyle products. It is the e-commerce side of all things Hollis Co. And we have a staple product called the Start Today Journal, hashtag Start Today Journal, where people can write down their gratitude and their their goals and their dreams so that they can knock them out one by one so they can live their dream life.
0: That's awesome. Which is
1: amazing. And what I do is coordinate all their social media. So that looks like picking photos for social. It looks like finding user-generated content. It looks like writing a lot of copy, like blog posts, like social copy, sometimes email copy. And it For also- letters. Yes. Yeah. And it also means looking at numbers. People think that it's a quite an easy job, but they're actually, if you want to be a good social media manager or coordinator or whatever it is, you have to look at the numbers. You have to see what's working. You have to see what's not working. And when you start to see a pattern or a trend in the kind of posts that are performing well- Then you want to keep pouring gasoline on those things and Xing out the things that aren't working. And the reason why I love social media is because it's instant. That is instant information you're getting from your community of what they like and what they don't like. And so I get the sense of like immediate gratification at work, which is amazing. But it's also a way for me to merge that technical background and the creative as well, because I get to tell my. the graphic designers that I work with, hey, our audience seems to be liking more blue quote cards because that's what the numbers are showing. So we need to stop making pink quote cards because clearly the blue quote cards are, they have better engagement. They have better impressions. We're getting more follows and more saves because of those quote cards. So we need to be making more of those and lean less on the pink. So that's just an example.
0: And how are you tracking it? How do you know that it's performing better? What are you looking at? What program are you using to assess that data?
1: There are a lot of platforms that are available. I think a lot of people start out doing social media with just the app itself. So for example, Instagram has its own insights if you have a business page. So that is a great place to start, just tracking your content. You can look at, your top posts from the year, from six months, three months, seven days. But I think when you start to get a little bit more serious about social media for a company, your business, or for yourself, you'll start to use scheduling platforms. There are lots available, Planoly, Sprout Social. All of them have scheduling capabilities, and a lot of them have more robust reporting as well. So then you can look at, the engagement metrics your follows all of these important insights so that you can continually market on social media more effectively
0: Which one is your favorite
1: Well currently we use Sprout Social and I've used Sprout Social for about 4 years at previous jobs and right. up till now but currently my favorite tool is called People Map
0: People Map yeah. What is Yes What is People Map What's the URL?
1: PeopleMap.co. So it is a platform that helps businesses and freelancers and small businesses, agencies, anyone can use PeopleMap. It was created by Puno. Um, Her last name is Puno. Her first name, it escapes me, but we call her Puno. Um, (laughs) She created the platform a few years ago, but I just recently discovered it. It is a tool that pulls data from the Instagram API and helps people create lists of people that you want to reach out to. Um, It also helps you analyze different accounts to see people's top followers, who's following people that are the most engaged. It basically is the ultimate Instagram, I don't want to call it a stalking tool, but it is the ultimate Instagram tool to help you have an understanding of people's audiences and also be able to grow your Instagram community authentically. So, I love it. Yeah, it is an amazing tool, and you can get a free trial of it, I think, for two weeks and analyze up to four accounts. So, it has been super powerful, not only for my personal account, but also for any other small business account. I think if you're looking to grow your community authentically, that is an amazing platform that you can use.
0: I'll trade you one. Have you heard of Answer the Public?
1: No, but I (laughs) am interested and I will write it down right now.
0: Okay, so Answer the Public is really fun. They have a really quirky website. And essentially you type in any keyword and it tells you what people actually search for online, but in a way that you can create like it's answering the public. So they're asking these questions and you're answering them. And so Answer the Public, I think it's answerthepublic.co. I honestly don't remember, it might be .com. But if you search Answer the Public, it will come up. And so it will give you ideas. So if I search, you know, podcasting, I'll find out all the questions people are asking about podcasting. And then it tells me the kind of content that I can create to help the community in answering their questions.
1: That's amazing. I'm going to start using that. (laughs)
0: And then they have a free level, but I think it limits you on how many queries, of course, and then there's uh, their pro plans. Then... Um SEM Rush and some of the other SEO tracking tools may have this, but SEM Rush has sort of an Answer the Public capability built inside SEM Rush on one of their plans. I think it might be one of their higher paid plans, but if you are looking to do like a full blown SEO thing, that might suit you then playing with two tools. However, with Answer the Public, you have that free level, which is pretty dope. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. That explains a lot because when I search up women in tech podcasts, you are the number one hit on Google every (laughs) single time.
0: What Was it that thing? I'm like dusting my shoulder or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, You know, I told you before we started recording that I'm like in love with tools. Um, Yes. Let's talk about specifically, though, um, these internship opportunities and why you're gung ho on on interning with small businesses.
1: Sure. So, I think the first place that you saw that was at my blog called The Bella Insider. It is actually ten years old. I started it as really? a fresh I started it as a freshman in high school because I was passionate about starting a YouTube channel and I didn't have the resources or the courage to be in front of a camera to talk. So, I thought, oh, the blog a blog might be the best way to share my my knowledge and experience as a the what, what, ninth grader. <laughs> right. I was really passionate about it. So um, it was actually a great way for me to start building my writing skills. And I had a lot of English teachers at the time who encouraged me to continue writing about things that I loved, because then I could start developing my own voice. Then I could start developing more skills and whatever I ended up doing, everyone can be a better writer.
0: I'm gonna pause you for one second, just to interject how no matter where you are, I know maybe blogs seem like outdated. Maybe you have a podcast instead of a blog maybe a blog. It doesn't matter, but there's someone else. I can't think of his last name, but it's Cole who created Lemonade. He had a Mm -hmm. music blog that he started, I believe, in high school because he was just really passionate about music. He has leveraged that blog, Lemonade, to Mm -hmm. become this mega media company. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. big deal. And he just directed Eminem's music video. And it all started with one day he just wrote about what he was really passionate about.
1: If you think about some of the biggest brands right now, a lot of them started because they had a community beforehand.
0: 100%. So for Huge example, secret. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like for example,
1: Emily Wise of Glossier, the CEO of Glossier, she had a blog called Into the Gloss and she created an entire community and following around that blog first, then created a product to offer them later. If you think about 100%. Yeah, there are a lot of um there are a lot of entrepreneurs.
0: Jason al- Freed with 37 mm-hmm. Signals now called Basecamp. Same thing. Big blogger, Absolutely. community. Yeah.
1: So it really is gaining that community first. For me, it was just a hobby. It's always been a hobby. Maybe it's something that I'll take full time in the future. I have no idea. But in high school, it was just something that I was passionate about so that I could write about Things that I loved, which at the time were fashion, food, and some other, I don't know, some other things. It was so unpopular at the time. It was in the high school yearbook. So, and it had like a full page spread in the high school yearbook. So, that is really funny. But throughout the years, I think that was a.
0: That's okay. Do you hear that? Life is allowed to happen. life keeps going on outside. That's just how (laughs) excited they are that you're talking about internships and learning. I love it. The world is excited.
1: (laughs) So funny. Well, in college, this blog called the Bella Insider was also my main creative outlet. When I wasn't in school and I wasn't pursuing internships, it was writing on this blog and actually opened up a lot of doors for myself as a content creator. And just my My career in social media, if I hadn't had this extra thing on the side just to do for fun because I needed a break from my physics classes and my calculus courses, it was just a great way to kind of get that creative energy out. So between my freshman year and my senior year of college, there were quite a few partnerships that happened on that blog, and I would mostly talk about dorm life, dorm living, fashion, and life in Austin because it's such a vibrant place to live. Now, working in social media, it's such a powerful platform for me to use to share my experiences, what it's like working full time right after college. It's a great place to talk about tips and tricks of how to succeed in college and share my insights on how to gain as much experience as you can before going out into the real world. And I get a lot of questions from uh, the college community asking how to do specific things like get get those internships or right now what to do. We're filming this in April of 2020. So what to do during a hiring freeze. And this is really the space that I get to talk about it from a very personal standpoint because it still is a very personal blog to me. And a lot of a lot of the content that I share is all about my life and the experiences I've faced. So it's still a work in progress. There's a lot of things (laughs) that I am dreaming up, but I'm excited that I still have a space to do it in. And I'm glad that I've kept up with it for 10 years.
0: I mean, that's incredible. And why small businesses? Why intern with small businesses? Sure. My latest post was about why people should find internships
1: at small businesses. and. I think there I'll are... a link
0: to it in the show notes, by the way, you guys. So just check the show notes if you want to check out our blog.
1: I think there are a lot of benefits for interning at a small business. I think first, a lot of small businesses need the help. I've interned with a lot of small businesses and there is no shortage of things to do when you're a one woman or one man show or you have a small staff. There's plenty of ways to help. I think a small business is also a perfect way to support your local community Especially in a city like Austin, there are a lot of small businesses that are eager to give back to their community or eager to give back to causes that they care about. So, for example, all the businesses that I worked at in college were all female owned and they were all very eager to give back to children, women in tech, women who are just starting their careers in design. And I think that is super powerful to have small businesses give back to their community. And I think on the flip side, it's really advantageous for the intern because you as an intern get to see the ins and outs of so many different areas. If you're interested in just doing one thing, you can almost guarantee at a small business that you will do more than just that one thing.
0: 100%.
1: (laughs) And I think it's a great way to dip your toes into an industry that you're excited about. If you are having trouble finding an internship at a big company. So for me, as a petroleum engineer, those big four companies like Shell, Exxon, Chevron, they only take a few interns a a summer or semester. But if you're interning at a small business, so maybe that's like if I was still doing petroleum engineering, maybe it's a small oil and gas company. Or if you are wanting to work in a creative space and you want to intern at an agency, maybe they only take a, a handful of people at a large one, but at a small one, they need the help. And the if you have the desire to learn, they're happy to provide or at least look into providing a space for you. So I think for both parties, it's a really great way to not only gain experience as an employer and as an intern, but also just to get help,
0: totally for your career, totally. Mm-hmm. Sarah, where can everybody connect with you further, and where can they check out Hollis's Co. Um, the podcast?
1: Sure. So the Hollis Co. podcast you can find at the Rise Podcast. Rachel Hollis, she is the one hosting the podcast. It's called uh, Rise Podcast. It's R I S E Space Podcast, and
0: we'll and link then- to it in the show notes as well.
1: And she also has one that she does with her husband called Rise Together, which is all about relationships. Oh, nice. So um, that's just Rise Together, R-I-S-E, Together. And you can find me at TheBellaInsider.com, which is T-H-E-B-E-L-L-A-I-N-S-I-D-E-R.com. And you can find me at Sarah uh, underscore the Bella on Instagram. That's amazing. Sarah underscore TheBella.
0: A couple last questions as we wrap things up. What is the best piece of advice you think you've gotten or one of them, because I know we all get a lot of advice, something that has really stuck with you.
1: That's a really hard one because I feel like I've been very fortunate to get a lot of good advice. You know what? With that said, I'm going to say that the best piece of advice that I could give is to find a mentor or find a handful of mentors. Find people that you admire in the workplace. Find a professor that you love. Find Find someone that you think could give you sound advice to continue guiding you through your career because you won't know the answers by yourself. Sometimes you'll want to turn to your parents. They won't have the advice for you. You can't sometimes you'll want to turn to peers, but maybe they don't even know what to do either. But if you find someone who's been there, done that, they might be able to give you some really interesting insight on whatever topic or whatever question You have having the ability or opportunity to mentor. I think is such a you're it's such a great way to give back as well because you know that you wouldn't be here or I wouldn't be here without the help of our mentors. Totally.
0: Wait. So one very last question that I don't always remember to ask, but I want to ask it this time. Is this the first podcast you've been on? Yes, and hopefully not the last because I had so much fun. Okay. What I love about this show is I feel like th- so many people on the show, it's the first podcast they've ever been on. And I'm hoping people are paying attention and then we'll start poaching all my guests to be on their shows too. And so it elevates all of you guys together so you can have as many speaking opportunities as possible. Like it just <laughs> blows my mind. So you've been an amazing interview. Thank you, Esprit. Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. This has been amazing. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to Women in Tech VIP.com, Women in Tech It takes you straight to our Facebook group. I will see you guys here, you guys, all the things in the next episode. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Bye. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Esprit. My name is Sarah Wong and I'm a University of Texas Petroleum Engineering grad and social media analyst blogging at TheBellaInsider.com, applying my technical background and creative knowledge, breaking stereotypes of women in STEM in Austin, Texas. Check out my blog at TheBellaInsider.com. You're listening to Women in Tech.
0: Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Damn Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind and her book is insanely well written right when I picked it up I didn't want to put it down she teaches me and us how to become the asset how to be our best selves and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves but creates an abundance of opportunity for others I'm so proud to share her book with you and I hope you'll pick it up and I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turned get it's about damn time at it'saboutdamntime.com, the Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, with help from Janice Geronimo, Edited by Adam Carroll, and music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a We Are Tech production.